Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Welcome to Brain Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Brain Stuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Britain's longest-serving monarch, Queen Elizabeth II, died September 8th of 2022 at the age of 96. The monarchy and its modern powers and assets are twistingly complex and certainly worth a number of episodes. But today, let's talk about an element that served to humanize the queen, her love of corgis. The queen owned purebred corgis for more than eight decades, and for stretches in the 1980s, she collected packs of up to 13 at a time, most of them bred on the premises at Windsor Castle. The small, ruddy-haired corgi breed, known as the Welsh Pembroke, are so closely associated with the queen that many people think it's an official royal line that goes back centuries. Before the article this episode is based on, How Stuff Works spoke with Kiera Farrell, librarian and collections manager at the UK Kennel Club back in 2019. She said, That's a question we're asked a lot. Is the corgi a royal dog? 
do they have a long association with the royal family? The answer is no. The queen got one when she was a young girl and has been devoted to them ever since. The queen's very first corgi was bought in 1933 by her father, King George VI, when he was still the Duke of York. Elizabeth, then seven years old, and her younger sister Margaret started out calling the puppy the Duke and fell for him instantly. By the time his nickname had been familiarized to Dukey, he was joined by a second corgi named Lady Jane. They were beloved pets, but also a canny marketing tool. The royal family soon capitalized on those first cuddly corgis to deflect attention from a royal scandal. A photo book titled Our Princesses and Their Dogs was released on December 11th of 1936, just days before King Edward VIII abdicated the throne to marry the American socialite and divorcee, Wallace Simpson. The photo book assured British subjects that their new king, Elizabeth's father, wasn't some lout like his brother. After all, he had these adorable daughters with dogs. Dukey and Jane were the princess's close companions growing up, though Jane was tragically struck and killed by a car in 1944. That same year, for Elizabeth's 18th birthday, she received the dog that would turn out to launch her lifelong fascination with not just corgis, but corgi breeding. The dog's name was Susan. Generations of the Queen's corgis have come from Susan's line, with the Queen often handpicking matches. Elizabeth and Susan were inseparable from the start. When she married Prince Philip in 1947, she snuck Susan with her on their honeymoon. And Susan remained by Elizabeth's side when her father died in 1952, making Elizabeth the queen at the age of 25. In press photos from the 1950s, the young queen is shown with her beloved corgi almost more than her husband. Susan's prominence as the queen's corgi did wonders for the breed's popularity. The Kennel Club registrations of purebred Pembroke Welsh corgis peaked in 1960 with 9,000 a year. Farrell said, it did spark a huge interest in what up to then had been a niche breed. Today, corgi registrations are down to about 500 a year. That's a big drop from its heyday. Corgis are known for being lively, hardy, and highly intelligent. They were originally bred in Wales as cattle dogs, where their compact, low-to-the-ground build enabled them to nip at the cattle's heels to keep them in line. The corgi's loud, sharp bark also helps it seem bigger and more authoritative than it appears. There are two breeds of dogs called corgis, the Pembroke and the Cardigan. Uh, the Cardigan is larger and longer than the Pembroke, with more rounded ears. Both breeds usually live around 12 years. Of course, not everybody is keen on small, energetic dogs with yippy barks that nip at your heels. That's why when somebody comes into the kennel club looking for a new pet, Farrell advises them to do some research about what a breed of dog did historically. She said, what was their job? Are those traits going to suit your lifestyle? Can you give them the exercise that they need and the space that they need? If it's not the dog for you, there's lots of other dogs to choose from. The queen didn't mind the rowdy energy of her corgis. In fact, she bred for it specifically, along with a preference for red coats. Her cousin, Lady Margaret Rhodes, told Vanity Fair for a long feature on this subject back in 2015, that the queen loved taking her rollicking pack of corgis for long walks in the Scottish countryside. While the rest of the royal family are certainly doggy by nature, that's Farrell's term, not mine, they weren't all huge fans of the queen's corgis. Prince Harry told the BBC in 2017, 
I've spent the last 33 years being barked at. His older brother William said as much in a 2012 interview, quote, they're barking all the time. I don't know how she copes with it. The breed's barkiness and its association with a now-bygone era likely contributed to the steep drop in the corgi's popularity over time. In 2014, the situation became dire enough that the Kennel Club put the Pembroke Welsh Corgi on its vulnerable native breeds list, which calls attention to breeds with fewer than 300 registrations a year. But then, Netflix released its hit TV series, The Crown, in 2016, which dramatizes the life of young Elizabeth as she marries and becomes the queen, including lots of scenes with her corgis. Farrell noted that corgi registrations increased by 16% in 2017, and then jumped by 47% in 2018. She said, While the numbers are still relatively low, There's been a clear increase in registrations, and I think we can attribute that to the depiction of the queen and her corgis in popular culture. In the United States, the breed continues to be very popular. The American Kennel Club currently ranks the Pembroke Welsh Corgi at number 13 out of 193 breeds in terms of popularity. In 2002, the queen made the difficult decision, following the deaths of both her sister and the queen mum, that she would stop breeding corgis so that none of them would outlive her and be forced to grieve her loss. Farrell explained that a lot of older pet owners are forced to make the same difficult choice not to take in a young dog. For working dogs that are bred to have a close relationship with a particular shepherd, the separation can be hard on the animal. Farrell said, Corgis like their person, and the queen is their person. However, in 2021, after the death of her husband, Prince Philip, her son, Prince Andrew, gifted Elizabeth with a new corgi to keep her other corgi company. She also had a dorgy, a cross between a corgi and a dachshund, and a cocker spaniel at the time. One Monty Roberts, who served as a horse and dog breeding advisor to the queen, told Vanity Fair how devastated the queen was after a previous corgi, Monty, died in 2012. At the time, he asked the queen about breeding a replacement for Monty. Robert said to Vanity Fair, I have no right to try to force her into continuing to bring on young puppies if she doesn't want to. That isn't my right. But it still concerns me, because I want her to believe in her existence until she's no longer here, because she's just too important to the world to contemplate checking out. For me, the queen can't die. Today's episode is based on the article, How Queen Elizabeth Fell in Love with Corgis, on HowStuffWorks.com, written by Dave Ruse. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio in partnership with HowStuffWorks.com and is produced by Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 